They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it. You're acting like a child. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. He'll hear you. Here he comes now. I'm getting out of here. Johnny. Welcome to the Ancient Slumber Podcast, show number 26. My name is Chris Ward, and joining me today for a chat is Myron Schmidt. How are you doing, Myron? Good. How are you, Chris? I am very well. I'm enjoying the sunshine that is outside, even though it's windy. Not me. It's hotter than Hades around here. Oh, it's windy, but it's bright. Helps take, <sighs> take my mind off the state of things. That's right. <laughs> it's such a, such a state of things it is. It is. Oh, how we laughed when you voted Trump in, and then two days after our general election. Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It looks shit everywhere, doesn't it? (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. That's right. Anyway, this isn't a politics podcast, although we probably couldn't do any worse than any of the other pundits out there, to be honest. Uh, No, we couldn't. No. No, No, we really couldn't. (laughs) We couldn't. But today, we are going to be talking about... George Romero's original trilogy of zombie movies. Yes, yes. Very excited for that. It's very exciting. Very excited. But before we get to that, I'd like to say thank you very much for to Mr. Gore Blimey for coming in Show 25, talking some human centipede with us. Absolutely. Love yes. a bit of the gore. We love a bit of gore. And, uh, yeah, so that's some nice feedback from people saying how wonderful he was and uh, how shit we were. No, how wonderful he yeah, was. Of course. Yes. And could we have him on again? So, yes, we will, when we let him out. That's 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 just adds an air of professionality to the show. It's nice when you have someone on and they want him more than they do us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. God help us all. I know my place, yes. Okay, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh, God help us. <laughs> oh, well, I think it's going to be a good one today, because it's been a while since we've recorded, and I'm G'd up for it. How about you? I am very much raring to go. Raring to go. Fantastic. So, have you bought anything recently? You know, I have. Well, let's play the jingle, and then you can tell us what we've been buying, what we've been buying. (laughs) Right then. Jingle, jingle, jingle. So, I had to actually go out and buy the uh, Dead Trilogy. I didn't own any of it, so I now own those. You do surprise me. I thought you'd own at least one of them. Uh, No, I thought so, too, but... I did not. Okay. Oh, well, you can tell us about that when we get into the individual films, what editions you bought. That's right. Yeah. I uh, also went out and got the new Underworld, Don't Judge Me. You paid for They're it. They're not horror. I did. Action movie. Why? Because I like them. I haven't seen it. I, I can't complain. It's got Kate Beckinsale in tight black leather. Yeah. I, yeah. The first one was all right. 
but I just lost interest after that. Well, you know, they kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. It's a it's a guilty pleasure. Does it does it fit in nicely with the other films? Uh, they they crammed it in there. It's different. They square pegged it in a round hole a bit. Okay. But, you know, what do you expect? What do you expect? Well, yeah, it's true. it's number. I mean, there's they got five films. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I will I will say this. Hmm. It is it is certainly better than Next Generation. What Star Trek? No. Oh, Texas Chainsaw. Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. Or that abom- abomination that is number six in the Halloween series. <laughs> Fucking ah. Cult of Thorn. Jesus, God help me, sweet baby Jesus. You still haven't got over that, have you? Mm. <laughs> Who can get over that? Uh, yeah. I also I also picked up Logan, which was pretty good. Oh, I, yeah, that's out in a few weeks here. Yeah, I've pre-ordered it. Yep, yep, got the Blu-ray. And then I picked up one that I've only seen once or twice. Um, grabbed the DVD of a little uh, little British film called The Descent. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yep, yep. Like that one. Saw uh, it and went, eh, why not? Have you seen the sequel? No. Did they make a sequel? Yeah, it's called The Descent Part 2. <laughs> huh. Did, I didn't even know they made a sequel. Yeah, if you like the first one, you'll like the second one. Yeah, I, I like The Descent, but I find it a little bit overrated. Really? Because there's a lot of folks. There's a lot of folks that are massive, massive fans of the descent. Yeah, I like it, but I don't love it. I don't think it's anything special. But a lot of people do love it. So who am I to judge? Exactly. I think in the US you got a different ending from the rest of the world. Why would that happen? Uh, because the original ending's quite downbeat, if I remember correctly. And so well, in America they uh, gave you a happier ending, something like that. Oh Jesus Christ! I can't remember. I know there is a British special edition that's got all the endings on it. I I mean I uh I don't care for the ending of Eden Lake. I understand it. I get it. But mm. you know don't don't sugarcoat it for me for God's sakes. Yeah. Um. I is think it, the the other endings are on YouTube or they're available somewhere so you can check them out. Well, I don't know. This is the original unrated cut, so maybe uh you yeah. know the original unrated US cut. Yeah, crap. Well, you know how it is. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've got it on my shelf behind me. I haven't watched it for a long time, but um, yeah, I know. I think there actually may be three different endings for it. I may be wrong, but I know the US got oh, a different. Fucking ending. hell! I know. I know the US got a different ending from everyone else. Jeez. <laughs> Which is a great metaphor for life, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. God help us. I know that I'm more liberal than most. A lot more liberal than most, but you know, good God. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to sugarcoat it. Jeez, oh, people. No, I know, but I think the descent is quite um, a relatively mainstream film, isn't it? So I think they feel more people were going to go and see it. So, <sighs> of course. And then they wonder why horror films get the reactions they get. There you go. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Oh well. Uh, right. What have I been buying? I really should have made a list really before I started, shouldn't I? I bought Clown. Nice. Yeah, Arrow just put it out on a Blu-ray over here. So, uh, yes, I bought it. Uh, my full written review is up on Flickering Myth. But, um, yeah, I f- fucking love that film. It just gets funnier the more I watch it. Did you, uh, oh, uh, oh, not, not clown as in the Eli Roth produced oh, one. No, you mean, no, the oh, Danish one. The Danish comedy. Oh, <laughs> hot damn, that thing is Jesus. 
It's fucking funny. <laughs> I, oh my god, I I could not believe what I was watching. Yeah, I do. If anybody wants to laugh oh. when they know they shouldn't be, just watch Clown. It's spelt with a K, K L O W N. It's from Denmark. It is subtitled, but it's hilarious. Yeah, but you got to warn them about the humor, though. I mean, it is. Don't put it on when your parents are in the room. Or your kids. <laughs> or your kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> Brilliant. And what is good on the uh, new Blu-ray, because you know it's based on a TV show. Yes. Yes, I do. I watch some of the TV show. Yeah, they've included an episode in the extra features. Yep, yep. Which is really good fun. Yeah, so and it's, I'm pleased to say they didn't water anything down for the movie or anything like that. It, it's, the TV show and the movie are very, very much compatible. Tony. Oh, God almighty. It's hard to believe that anyone could be as dumb as he is to take advice from that idiot friend. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, you mean the mother-in-law oh. bit, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. The mother-in-law bit. Yes. Yeah, don't say any more because that's a big spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Honestly, if you want to laugh at something that is funny in the most wicked way, watch Clown. It's Bail or Narrow oh. video. It's fantastic. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh i bought that uh what else have i bought i actually bought the other day i haven't watched it yet is um the wild geese what the old uh that's an action movie from way back when isn't yeah, it yeah yeah because we uh we lost roger moore a few weeks ago yes unfortunately and uh i'd never seen the wild geese roger moore's in it so uh ah okay i bought an old arrow video dvd of it it was only about three quid that's sat in my drawer so i will get around to that so uh yeah very sad we lost roger moore and we lost adam west yesterday of course i know god almighty it's crazy so i bet clint eastwood shitting himself <laughs> <laughs> i shouldn't say that no no uh, big batman fan big bond fan and i've lost i've lost both of them this month so yes i'm very yes. upset i grew up i actually grew up watching those old 70s Batman shows. 60s oh my Batman God. shows. 60s, yeah. yeah. I love those well, shows. Well, I saw them in the 80s when they re-ran them. Yep, yep. Yeah. I was watching them uh, late 70s, early 80s. Yep, I've got the DVD set. I've got the Blu-ray set. Oh, man. Oh, fucking, yeah. Hey, did you hear the new, speaking of our buddies at Arrow, did you see the new announcement, what movie they're putting out? I did get an announcement, but I don't know if it's the same one you got. Children of the Corn. I saw that. Is that US only? I think it's U.S. only. Because 88 Films put it out here in a box set about a year and a half ago. Yeah, I bet it's U.S. only. I am excited for that release. If it's like the 88 Films set, the, if it's the same print, then it's a pretty nice transfer. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Children of the Corn movie and the story. Hmm. And we'll talk a little more about Children of the Corn when we get to the feedback. Oh, right, yes. Okie dokie. Yes, oh, yes. I, oh, I know where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've got the other one that'll 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 surprise you. Okay. I'm going to take a dip in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> the Wayback Machine. Yes, <laughs> yes, and, and go on a bit about a movie that desperately needs a sequel. <laughs> and we'll never get one. If it's found footage, then I... No, no, I no, no, no. I no, to the U.S. No. and personally slap you. No, 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 no. No, it's not. It's not. Okie dokie. It is not. Okie dokie. Uh, what did I mention then? Wild Geese. What else did I bought? Oh, there is something else. Oh, I'll tell you what I did get. I got off eBay the 18 film Russ Mayer DVD collection. Oh, really? Yes. This came out in 2010, I believe, over here from Arrow okay. Films. I should have bought it at the time, but I didn't for some reason. I think I just didn't have the money at the time. 
when it was reasonably cheap. And then the it got deleted and the prices on it went sky high. And you get them second hand on uh, Amazon and things like that now for like 100, 150 quid for stupid prices. Right, right. And uh, yeah, I got a message from one of my followers on Twitter. Uh, I can't remember who it was now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a name check otherwise. Basically messaged me and said, just send this on eBay, 50 quid. Because he knew I was after it. So, uh. Oh, wow. A little bit much still, but. Oh, fuck it. And I bought it. <laughs> 18 titty films, lovely. <laughs> I'm just waiting for everyone else to fuck off out now so I can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But it's in good condition. Lovely individual DVD boxes with posters and all that. Uh, the original sort of poster sleeves and all that sort of stuff on it. So, uh, yeah. Great little set. Well, I, I've actually been buying more Stephen King hardbacks. I'm trying to – I got one more to get to finish up all the ones I didn't have because, I, believe it or not, this sounds stupid, but when his movies come out, the prices of his books go up, even in secondhand markets. Yeah, okay, yeah. Like if you if you are in the U.S. and you're trying to find a hard copy of the book, it it is, you know, hmm. 40, 40 to a $100 dollars at different places. Love it. And I'm like, I just, how stupid is that? But it happens. So I got one more to get and then I'll be caught up because, uh, we're also getting the release of Mr. Mercedes TV series. So I had to make sure and get all those and another one. So, you know, yeah. so I've been focusing a little bit on that too as well, but you know, cause the prices are going up. Totally Stephen King. Has there got a release date on the it remake yet? Not that I know of. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Oh, well, I think Stephen King's given it his seal of approval, isn't he? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is yes. that a good thing? <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> you I, don't I sound think convinced. so. I, I, I don't know. It's, you know, because I, I don't know. I think it's a good thing. Okay. I think it's a good thing. Because he loved that TV version of The Shining, didn't he? Well, he, he has a burning red hot poker hatred for Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, so. Do you want to know something? What's that? I'm not a massive fan of it. I hate it. Well, the Kubrick one? Yep. I didn't know you hated it. I thought you liked it. No, I hate the Kubrick Shining. Oh, God. Ah. What the passion. I don't hate it, but I don't think it's as brilliant as everyone thinks it is. No. No, it's not. It's not. A lot of my problems focus on the characters. Hmm. It's based on the book. Okay, I get that. The book is immensely difficult to translate because of the nature of the haunted house story. Hmm. Well, I've got the. I've never read it. I've got it on my bookshelf, and I've never read it. Oh, you should. It's a great book. I will get to it. I've owned it for years, but I just haven't got to it. The uh, you know, some of my problem comes in with the uh, the portrayal of his wife, and I don't. Yeah. The character's name escapes me. You know, in, in Kubrick's version, she's such a milk toast, but in fact, in the book, she's really not a milk toast. Okay. So it, it's just kind of that whole, you know, and the it's dynamics like, different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. And I, I'm not a massive uh, Jack Nicholson fan. I, I never have been. Hmm. Just so, you know, when he's in a movie, I just typically give it a pass. Um, I don't mind Jack Nicholson. I think he he's he's adds a bit of weight to any film that he's in. Oh, absolutely. And he's certainly a presence. But, yeah, I, I can take or leave a lot of his stuff. Yep, yep, me too. I'm not a Kubrick fan at all. I don't. So nope. I, don't, I don't get it. I just I don't see why he's held in such high regard. I don't. No, I don't care for him. <laughs> Two thousand one, a space odyssey. Never seen it. Time. Clockwork Orange. Eh. Yeah. Who cares? You know? Yeah. I'm. Just, 
In fact, I'm struggling to think of any Kubrick film I do like, really. Um, the first half of Full Metal Jacket, it's all right. Oh, I keep I keep forgetting he did that one. That was pretty decent. And, and he, he also did uh, Doctor Strangelove, right? He did, but I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's a good political commentary, but it's, you know, it's is what it is. Yeah, I, I'm not well versed in Kubrick because it's one of those things where if I see his name, I'm generally like, I'm just not that bothered. Yep, yep. Big so, yawn for me. Stanley Kubrick. Oh, well. There you go. Never mind. What's he going to do? Exactly. <laughs> but then again, you know, there's lots of people who love him, but hey, you know. Well, that is the freedom of choice, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? Who are we to judge? Exactly. Look at what I like. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> see? See? Exactly. I'll sit here and spout the views that I love Frank Henenlotter, <laughs> who I think is by far a much more fun director than Kubrick will ever be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a claymation running penis with legs. You can never beat that. If that had been in The Shining, maybe I'd like it a bit more. Yeah, probably. <laughs> maybe Stephen <laughs> King would have liked it a bit more. Maybe. Maybe. Never mind. Oh, dear. Oh. Right. Should we move on to some good, some bad, some ugly? Uh, yes, let's do that. As it's been a while, let's play that lovely jingle. Right then, give us something good that you have seen. Well, you know, I've seen a lot of good. I've got a couple this time. I am going to go ahead and go with the a movie called The Boy, but it's not the one with the doll. It's. I think it was done in 2015, not 2016. Right. See, I've got a film called The Boy on my tablet, but I don't know which one it is. Ah, this is one I banged on about. It's about a, a boy uh, turning into a quote-unquote serial killer. Right. Okay. I don't. And I think I've got the one with the doll. Oh, forget that one. Oh God. Is it shite. Yes. Yes. Okay. You know what's really funny is I went, um, like I usually do with movies, with that doll one. Yeah. I went and looked up on IMDb, you know, just kind of some basic facts. Ruined the whole movie for me. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ruined the whole movie. And, and, um, and then I started watching it and went, well, you know what? I really don't care. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, no, this, this one, um, it's, it's very, very, very good. So if you, if you get a chance to watch it, I'd give it a go. So is it in the style of like a, a psychological thriller? Yes, but there's a lot more drama, father-son relationship, uh, father-son, his dad relationship kind of stuff. It's a, almost a character kind of study with a lot of thriller added in. Right, okay. You know, Ooh, so sounds interesting. Yeah, so I, yeah, know the, I know the doll one. I don't know that one. It's supposed to be a trilogy. Oh, right, okay. Where it starts out as a kid, then as an adult, then as, or I mean, then as a teenager, then as an adult. So is the next one called The Adolescent? I don't know. Uh, why don't you know? <laughs> I, well, there's probably a long PhD thesis on what I, you know, why I don't know anything, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Right, my good is one of my famous uh, pound shop purchases. Ah. Ah, yes, I surprised myself. I found one copy of this at the very back sh of the shelf in my local pound shop. It's a film I've never seen, and it is Ed Wood. Oh, okay. From 1994, directed by Tim Burton. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's another one. Yeah, well, yeah, he can be a bit hit or miss for me, but um, this film was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. It's really? About, yeah, okay, okay. It's about the uh, film director, Ed Wood, who made right. Plan 9 from Outer Space and loads of other hokey B movies back in the 50s. It's, yeah, it's basically like a portrait of his working relationship with Bella Lugosi. 
Okay, who, who okay. at the time was an old man and was sort of not getting the acting work anymore, so he appeared in a lot of Edward films. Yeah, it's it's Tim Burton, so it's quite quirky in places. It's obviously got Johnny Depp in it, um, but right. don't let that put you off. He's actually quite good <laughs> in it before he just became Johnny Depp. And um, yeah, it's just say it's quirky sort of retro B movie fun, and it's really really good. Maybe with the exception of Batman, has there ever been a Tim Burton movie where Johnny Depp wasn't in it? Uh, Planet of the Apes. Yes. Fair play. <laughs> Mars Attacks. Yeah. Fair, uh, fair play. I'm sure I'll come up with some of them if I keep going. I was about to compare him to Rob Zombie and Sherry Moon Zombie, but apparently, uh, yeah, you know. Um, yeah. Not much of a comparison. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, know, right. I know who's uh, got the better ass. Yes, we all know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she's married him now, so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bad movie. Yeah, this may shock you. It's a found footage movie. Oh, it's called Evidence of a Haunting, and it is just plain crap. It's is that the full title? Evidence of a Haunting that's just plain crap. Uh, yes. Oh. <laughs> In brackets afterwards. Yes, yes. I only made it through twenty minutes before I cut it off. It was that bad. Evidence of a Haunting. The title rings a bell, but I don't think I've no, seen it. No. Don't worry, you don't want to. Is it people walking around a haunted house? Yes. Oh. That's never been done before. And someone drops a camera at some point and it lands up yeah, on the side and you see them getting dragged off. Well, probably if I'd made it to the end. <laughs> I, I just couldn't, the, the, I, I just couldn't do it. it. The story, the dialogue, it just, it got me. You couldn't do it. Fuck me, that must have been bad. Yes. Yes. Evidence of a haunting. Well, I shall, um, add that to my Mark list. Mark that of off films. your list. I'll put it on my list of films not to watch. Which Good. is surprisingly long and full of found footage films. <laughs> All suggested by you. I'm shocked. <laughs> Go on, then. Give us a bad. I struggled, actually, because I haven't watched that much shit, to be honest. Um, I'm going to hark back to our missing episode 26, which we recorded and never released because my computer's a bastard and lost the file. So we spoke about this before, but the listeners haven't heard it. And it's a film called Jaguar Lives. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. From 1978, I think it is. Starring Christopher Lee, Donald Pleasance, and some other people who are in lots of Bond films. Action film, supposed to sort of... It's very similar in tone to those sort of Chuck Norris video films of the 80s, but it's shit. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Pleasance and Lee are great, as always, but I don't think they were completely sold the film that they actually ended up appearing in. And I only bought it because it's on Arrow Video and it's three quid and it just looks nice on my shelf with the rest of them. But film shit. <laughs> you know, every time Donald Pleasance is mentioned, all I can hear is the bass from the podcast under the stairs going, "Wee Donnie P. And no, it's got big, big Donnie P. It's big Donnie P. Big Donnie Whatever. P. I don't think he was that big, but he was big in presence. The Pleasance presence. Oh, that's all I can hear. Uh, have you listened to Baz's Texas Chainsaw? Oh, yes. Fucking funny. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh dear. Yeah. You can't root. You can't root anything. That one just has to be experienced. Oh yeah. If <laughs> yeah, to anyone if you've never heard it, podcast under the stairs. Listen to the Baz tear apart the Texas Chainsaw franchise. It's hilarious. It's exactly what you think it's going to be. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is. What a surprise! He didn't like number four. Oh, I'm shocked. Oh dear. I don't know what I'm got me, sure. what made me laugh more. The Baz's uh, comments or just dunk laughing. <laughs> well, whatever Baz says, I'm going to tell you about it in a minute, and it's going to take a bit. Settle in. There's about to be a funny story. Oh. 
<laughs> it's not the one like Baz's story that starts off with when I was 15, I swallowed a key. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe laugh, but I don't know why. <laughs> I think it was the accent. It's just the way he said, I swallowed a key. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, never mind. And you know what? Through the whole story, he never provided us a reason why he swallowed no. a key. No, he just did. Well, people do, I suppose. And as he said, the headmaster, whatever, came up to him and said, Baz, or low, even the first years aren't this stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got a reputation uh, already at that age. Yes, yes. Uh, anyway, give us an idea. Uh, um, watched this one yesterday. It had possibilities, but oh, the execution was just head-shakingly bad. Okay. Um, the Axe Murders of Valeska. Yeah, go on. It popped up on Netflix. Now, some movies that pop up on Netflix out of nowhere, you're like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. Like Creep. Creep was one of those that popped up on Netflix. He recommended. I watched it a couple of times. Went, holy crap, this is really good. Okay. But the axe murders of Valeska just nope. Just no. Is there any graphic axe murders in it? Uh, yes, there are. And they're not very good. No. Oh. No. No. Is it one of those made for Netflix films, or is it just like a shitty low budget? I think it was just one of those unfortunate, crappy low budgets that they picked up. Uh, fair enough. But again, you don't know until you watch it. No, no, that's it. Say anything with axe murders and you think it would be quite good, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, 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 you would. You would. Apart from the film Axe, which is shit. But yeah. <laughs> but but then again, they did make the sixth Halloween movie and the fourth Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, so you could never... Is it is it as bad as them, or is it better, worse? What? It's slightly better than the sixth Halloween movie. Hmm. Okay. So you're saying it's pretty good, then? <laughs> oh, God. No. No, it's horrible. Go on. Give us an ugly. An ugly. I watched Resident Evil Retribution. Is that the last one? No, this is the fifth one. Come out in 2012, I think. Something like that. Okay. I have just done a full written review for the latest Resident Evil, the final chapter. By the time this podcast out, it should be live on Flickering Me. Um, so okay. Okay. I went back and rewatched all the other ones in preparation. I actually bought the Blu-ray box set of the first few. Wow. I got it cheap. Um, I had them all okay. on DVD anyway, but I thought they are all good-looking films, so I'll get them on Blu-ray. The Blu-ray does make them look good, but I put it in ugly because it's a mess of a fucking film. Aren't a lot of those a mess of films? Looking back at them, as I've just watched them all, I don't think they're that terrible. Okay. I think if Fair you were point. to go into the detail, really graphic, oh, not graphic, really deep detail of every film, yes, you can pick them apart. Much like the Underworld films, though, you can put them on and just enjoy them for what they are. And ah. not be too critical of them. Yep, 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 gotcha. But, but the gotcha. fifth one is a real mess. It's quite hard to follow. It, it's like watching somebody else play a video game. Oh, Jesus, gotcha. It's the, the, I mean, the beginning bit, it's almost like there is levels that they're going through. You know, they get to like a boss and they fight him and then they move on to the next bit. Something else turns up, they fight him. And you you get sort of half an hour into it. And you just, what's happening? Why is there not many wow. zombies? What's going on? Wow. Yeah. Uh, but I won't tell you what I think of the final chapter yet. You'll have to uh, read my review. I will read your review. Mm. Hopefully some other people will get some hits on that website. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else for the good, bad, and ugly category for you? No, no, no. I think I'll just stick with them recently because uh, I've actually been watching some good stuff recently. Not much of anything else. So. 
Yeah, yeah, I got one more good, and that is called, it is a movie called A Dark Song. A Dark Song? Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, Wasn't, yeah, Didn't yeah. Duncan mention that on Podcast Under the Stairs? Yeah, he liked it. It yeah. was, um, it's actually a very good movie. Very good movie. It's, it's way out there in left field as it should be. One of the main characters at one point has a Melakesh t-shirt on, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, it was a good movie. I don't want to ruin it, but it's, uh, it's a very good movie. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's on my list of ones to catch up with one girl. Yeah, like. yeah. I, I think you would like it. I really yeah. do. Yeah, I've heard good things. I'm not sure when it's getting a proper release, to be honest. I did the VOD thing. Yeah, I think it's on VOD. I'm not sure if it's getting a DVD release or not, but uh, I shall keep my eye out for it anyway. Oh, there you go. There you go. Right then. Should we move on to our main features? Yeah, okay. I'm going to play the trailer, and I love this trailer. It's probably my favourite trailer of all time. Oh, okay. And you'll know when you when you hear the voice. So I'm going to play the trailer for Night of the Living Dead, and then we'll crack into it. Good. Welcome to a night of total terror. <laughs> Night of the living dead, the dead who live on living flesh, the dead whose haunted souls hunt the living, the living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. Of the living dead. A bizarre adventure in fear. An experience in shock more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night of the living dead. A night with the dead who cannot die. A night of total terror. Night. Of the Living Dead. Right then. Night of the Living Dead from 1968. Directed by George A. Romero. Starring... Dwayne Jones, Judith O'Day, Carl Hardman, Marilyn Eastman, Keith Wayne, Judith Ridley, and Bill Hinsman. Right. Yes. Yes. Have you got a synopsis or shall I read it? You read it. You read it. Okay. There is panic throughout the nation as the dead suddenly come back to life. The film follows a group of characters who barricade themselves in an old farmhouse in an attempt to remain safe from these flesh-eating monsters. Ooh. Ooh. That sounds scary. Yeah, it does. Right, Night of the Living Dead, then. This is one of the landmark horror films of all time, is it not? I think it is. I, I think it is. It's first, I believe it's the first zombie movie ever made. Uh, no, not entirely true. It's the first... Uh, was not the first. It's George Romero redefining what the zombie was. Okay, fair play. There were zombie movies before that. I mean, Plague of the Zombies from Hammer is an obvious one. And, oh, okay. And yep, White Zombie, yep. the kind of Lugosi film. So there were zombie films around, but they weren't uh, like this. 
they weren't sort of flesh-eating monsters before. Incidentally, if you watch the documentary about this, I've watched about a thousand documentaries about this. Okay, okay. So which one? I reviewed. I reviewed one for. Um... Oh yeah, that's Birth of the Living Dead. Yes, that's it. Yes, that's I have it. that. Yes, that was really interesting. If you if you get a chance to watch that, I would encourage that. That is, it's a really really interesting documentary. Yeah, Neither Living Dead's one of those films that. The production of it is just as interesting as the final result. Yes. And I think if you're going to watch the film, it's a good idea to maybe uh, watch at least one of the main documentaries. There's quite a few around, depending on which version of the film you buy. But uh, Birth of Living Dead, if you've never seen uh, any of the documentaries before, then yeah, it's probably the best one to get. Right, right. It's very good. Um, I am not a huge zombie fan. Are you not? But yeah, but I did, did enjoy this one. I like this one a lot. Had you seen it before? Oh yeah, many times. Yeah, because it's worth saying now. This is this film's in the public domain, so it's yeah. pretty much available everywhere. Right, right. Every right. every bo- horror box set you'll ever buy will have a copy of this in somewhere. Yep. One of those, you know, yep. fifty films for a ten quid or whatever it is. Yep, yep. It's uh, yeah, it, great movie. It, it's always interesting to me that they put Dwayne Jones, an African American gentleman, in the lead role. Yeah, it's a film with a lot of social commentary going on. It is, either intentional or unintentional. Well, yeah, because George Romero always said, you know, they they cast Dwayne Jones not because he was a black man, but because he happened to be the best actor that walked into the audition. Pretty true. Which is probably true and fair enough. But it was also at a time in America's history where black actors didn't get leading roles. No. Apart from Sidney Poitier. (laughs) Well, right. Right, exactly. But he was, you know, he was sort of... I'm not that versed in Sidney Poitier films, but he was, uh, was he a singer? I don't know. Was he? Did he sing in some of his films? Or something. But yeah, apart from him, he was the, the only sort of, uh, African American actor who, who was scoring a leading role. So, on that level, Like the Moon Dead is very um, progressive and forward thinking. Yeah, this is 1968 in conservative Northeast America. That's it. And it was during a time of civil unrest. Oh, God, yes. Yes. George Romero tells a story that once they'd wrapped up the film, they were taking the actual finished film to New York, driving it there, and on the way there, they heard on the radio that Martin Luther King had been shot. Yes, yes. So it, it really is, It's I don't want to call it a happy coincidence, because it's not happy that Martin Luther King was shot, but all the sort of elements that were there of a film that's sort of pushing the boundary at a time when America was experiencing change. Yes, very much so. So, uh, a perfect storm, you may call it. Exactly. In 1968, an African-American gentleman demanding, telling everybody he's in charge mm. and everyone else is Caucasian. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's a big deal. And it also plays into the ending of the film, to be honest. Yes, yes, it absolutely does. And say now, full spoilers, you know, if we haven't seen Night of the Living Dead, it is available everywhere. Go and see it. But yeah, at the end of the film, when... Uh, What's his character's name? Ben. Ben actually survives the night. Wakes up. All the zombies in the house are dead or there's no one else around. He looks out the window and he gets shot in the head by one of the rednecks outside who think he's a zombie. Yep. Which is a downbeat ending. Yes. Very much so. Ben was, quote unquote, the hero of the story. Yes. And this is a time when the heroes didn't die at the end of the films. Oh, yeah. Happy ending stuff. So, uh, and it's not, I mean... The way it's played out is that the rednecks didn't realise he was a normal man. They thought he was a zombie, so they're just carrying on doing what they've been doing the whole night, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's exactly. another bo- another body for the fire. Yep. 
So, yeah. And it's always interesting, though, that you, you know, I'm not sure why he didn't call out to him or anything because that struck me. But then again, if you're, you know, going with the tone of the movie and the, you know, what's going on, he, he never would. No, I suppose not. And uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose that's an avenue we could have explored. But uh, I think Romero went for an impactful ending rather than a happy one. And it was. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, Dwayne Jones plays Ben, the lead. Um, we've also got Judith O'Day as Barbara. Yes. Who spends the film pretty much being quiet. It, it's really odd for this one because uh, the main cast are all pretty good. I mean, you'd expect rural Pennsylvania. They only have a small pool of people to draw on, and they ended up with a cast who was really good. They're all pretty much friends of George Romero, I think, is... Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Pretty much the cast. I, mean, I can't really think of a lot of films that anybody else in this film has done. I know Dwayne Jones has appeared in a couple of things, like Ganja and Hess and things like that. But, um, okay. And I know Bill Hinsman, who plays the Cemetery Zombie, did a couple of zombie films later on, but I can't think of anything else that any of these people have been in. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, they all do well with what they got. Say, uh, Barbara and her brother Johnny is going to visit a grave, their parents' grave in the cemetery, and they get attacked by Bill Hinsman's cemetery zombie. Right. Which is, I think, one of the best opening scenes of any horror film ever. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh. You know, it's been redone, it's been parodied, it's been, you know, everybody knows the line, they're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> yep. Even if you've never seen this film, you'll know that line. I think it's in Shaun of the Dead, and it's been lots of other things as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, every yeah. once in a while you'll hear it pop up. And you're like, ah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's where it comes from. So, yeah, she gets to the house. Well, Johnny gets attacked by a zombie. She escapes. She gets to the house. She meets Ben, and they barricade themselves into the uh, ground level of the house. But in the basement, you have Harry and Helen and their daughter, Karen, I think the name is. Yes. Yes. Uh, they believe it's safer to stay in the basement, whereas Ben believes it's safer to stay on ground level. And so there's a power struggle between Ben and Harry. Yes. Which is yes. an interesting part of the film. Like, like a lot of these zombie films, especially the Romero ones, the zombies almost become secondary. Yeah. And it's yeah. about the people yeah. who are uh, reacting to the situation. And I think Night of the Living Dead does it very well. Very, very well. For, for a, I would say, not an amateur, for a younger production company, who, you know, first time script writers, first time big movie directors, that type of thing. I think it handles the material really, really well. Oh God, yes. Yeah. I mean, absolutely it does. Mm. It's, uh, it, it's very good in that respect. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's a film with a lot of subtext, but if you take it for what it is, I still think it holds up fairly well. The, it's black and white, which puts a lot of people off. Don't watch the colorized version. I know you did, didn't you? I, I watched the colorized version. <laughs> oh, I, Oh God! Watch the black and white version. In black and the white, it's brilliant. The the coloring doesn't add anything to it. It no. really, in fact, it makes it more ludicrous. It makes it more cartoonish. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And when I when I bought this version, I thought it had both on there. No, nope, um, only has the color. All right, let me rewatch it. So, <laughs> yeah, in black and white, it's just got that certain something about it. It's got that eerie atmosphere. Yep. So it's got yep. the look of a classic horror film, but say the subject matter is a lot more forward thinking. Yes, yes. And it also helps, I think, uh, uh, George Romero said in an interview that the blood effects that they used was actually chocolate sauce. So uh, obviously the black and white made it look like blood, which is obviously <laughs> helpful. Keeps your budget down, doesn't it? You know, when, when they colorized the blood, uh, I don't know when they did the colorization, but they... 
I think, whoever, it was, I think it was the late 80s that came out, that version. Well, that makes sense because yeah. it looks almost like a Jello blood. Yeah. You know how it's got that real red quirky color? Yeah, this looks just like it. I think I saw the colorized version first. Pretty sure I did. Oh, did you? Okay. Late 80s, I'm guessing, on video. Yeah. And it was horrible. <laughs> I was like, this is supposed to be the greatest zombie film ever. This is crap. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw it in black and white and then sort of went, oh, now I get it. Right. Yeah. It certainly helps with the atmosphere. So, yeah, I mean, there's not really a lot else you can say about it. It's a film that I think you need to see. I think I've always thought it's when people talk about horror movies, you have sort of classic horror movies and modern horror movies. This is the point where I think modern horror begins. I've always said that. Yes, I would absolutely agree. And, and the nice thing about this is, like you pointed out, there's blood, but not a whole lot. Yeah. And it's more about the character. It's it's more about the drama than it is about the horror. Yeah, there's only one real scene of the zombies sort of chowing down on people's guts, which I believe was awful, provided by a local butcher company. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, there's only one real scene of that, and then you got the scene of the zombies sort of rampaging towards the house at the end. But yeah, yep. it, it's really about the power struggle between Ben and Harry, and uh, yeah, as characters, they're just they're fantastic characters. Um, arguably, Harry was proved to be right at the end of the uh, film, but that's not the way it's played out. You're supposed to sort of not like him very much. Well, and you don't. <laughs> and you don't, no. And, uh, oh, who played his wife? Marilyn Eastman. A quick story. I saw this film a couple of months ago at a pub in Birmingham on a screen. Okay. And uh, I was there with, with uh, our Twitter friend, uh, Shaky. And we both... Ah, okay. Yeah. And we both said, isn't it weird that as you get older, you find Marilyn Eastman really attractive? I think she's, there's something about her in this film. She's just got that sort of late sixties look that I just really, really like. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I get on board, I could get on board with that. Yeah, I don't know what it is. When I, when I saw this when I was a teenager, I just thought, oh, they're just like older people. <laughs> now I'm 40, I'm like, ooh, quite fit, she. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. She also doubles as one of the zombies as well. Oh, I'm sure they all probably did at some point. <laughs> I, I believe she's the zombie that eats the bug that's on the tree. There's a bug on a oh. tree and she takes it off and eats it. I'm pretty sure that's Marilyn Eastman as well. That's also the first uh, sort of horror film to show a bare bum, bum in it, I think. Yes, a fully naked woman. Oh, how dare they. Didn't see the front, though. <laughs> but you know what's really funny is compare that to the Walking Dead TV show. And uh, these zombies move quicker than they do in The Walking Dead. I gave up a Walking Dead after season two. So. I understand, but go back to what it was. Yeah. These zombies actually move quicker. Probably yes, do. yes, and yes, they, sh they shamble, but I'll tell you what, that, that dude in the cemetery was getting after it. Another interesting thing to note, the cemetery zombie picks up a brick and smashes the car window. Yes, they're thinking zombies. They're thinking that using weapons, because uh, <laughs> my son loves The Walking Dead and I often say to him, if it's not in a George Romero film, then it's not zombie folklore. Because <laughs> he's made a comment about zombies using weapons in some film I was watching, and I just went, Cemetery Zombie, Night of the Living Dead, picked up a brick. Yep. Therefore, it's law. There's a, a series of three books called uh, The New News Flesh Tr Trilogy written right. by Mira Grant. Okay. And that's her theme running through these zombie books is that – uh, George Romero is a national hero because he taught everybody about zombies. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's quite a funny, uh, uh, little addition to her, to her books. 
That's it. If Romero didn't write it, then it's not official folklore as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but I think you might dig those movies. It's got a little bit of political intrigue. It's got some zombie hunting. It's very there. It's a weird set of books, but very well written. Okay, I shall keep my eye out for them. Okay, is there anything else you want to say about Night of the Living Dead? Uh, no. Go on and give it a rating. Well, I'm just going to say, if you want to watch Night of the Living Dead, it is available pretty much everywhere on any streaming service, YouTube and DVD box set. If you're in the UK, there are Blu-rays available. There's two Blu-rays available, one with a green cover and one with a white cover. If you get the one with the white cover, there is a fantastic hour and a half George Romero documentary as a special feature on there, which is really, really good. Also worth noting, there are several different cuts of this film as well. Because it is public domain, people have re-released different chopped versions of it. So if you're in the UK, get the Blu-ray if you can. DVD-wise, the Millennium Edition that came out obviously around the time of the Millennium is still the version to get. That's fully uncut, and there's lots of great extras on there. That's the one that George Romero himself has approved. There is also a UK DVD edition, which has got a black cover, and it's just called the Special Edition. It's very, very cheap if you want to buy it, but it is slightly cut. The film is slightly cut, but it's been remastered, so the picture quality is probably the best there is. And there's also an interview with Dwayne Jones on there as a special feature, which I think is his last ever interview. Oh, okay. Uh, that's in if you're in the UK. I'm not too sure about US releases. I guess the Millennium Edition is available there as well, because it is a region-free disc. I'm not sure. All I can tell you is don't buy the colorized version. Do not buy the colorized version. It's horrible. <laughs> so yeah, and I also believe recently it came about that George Romero said he's found two extra reels of film from this film. Oh, really? Yes. So get ready for another re-release if it all goes to plan. So there will be an even fuller uncut version. So that will force you to go and buy it yet again. Because I think I tallied up not long ago. I've got about eight different versions of this film. <laughs> Just from different box sets and DVDs. <laughs> and I've, got, I've even got a documentary somewhere called Mid- Midnight Movies. And Night of the Living Dead is one of the special features. Oh God! Gotcha. It's a special feature, the whole film. Yeah, is that is that is that one of those um, four quid, hundred movie kind of discs? No, no, no. It's a documentary called Midnight Movies, and it focuses on Night of the Living Dead and A Razorhead and Pink Flamingos and Rocky Horror Picture Show and a couple of others. Ah, okay, I got you. On the first disc, and then disc two is like special features. There's interviews and stuff, and it's got the full sure. version, full version of Night of the Living Dead on it. Oh, nice. So again, nice. you, you can just pick this film up anywhere. It's yeah, oh, it's everywhere. It's lovely. It's fantastic. But it's still a great film. So as a rating, I'm still giving it a five out of five. Wow. I really can't fault it. I give it a four. A four? Okay. I do. I do. I'm not a huge zombie fan. No, I mean, no. I, 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 I really like the movie, but, you know, it just it's a four for me. See, I've shown this to my son. Say so he loves Walking Dead, and I always say, you know, well, if it wasn't for George Romero, you wouldn't have Walking Dead nowadays. Well, and I showed it to him, and he was like, mm, but it's black and white, and it's a bit slow. Oh. So I get why a younger <laughs> generation would like it, but I do think it's a benchmark. I do think it's an important film. Absolutely. I, I do, too. In yeah. spite of my poor rating, I still think that. And I think, you know, it's just one of them films I think everybody should see. What's the rating system you guys use at Flickering Myth? One number for the film and one number for what? you got a five-star rating for a film and a five-star rating for a movie. So it, if it's a film, film means something that's a bit more artistic than movie is like a popcorn film. So yeah, the yeah. example they give is something like Transformers is, you know, could be a four or five-star movie because it's a good popcorn film, but it right. would be a one-star 
film because it's not very artistically creative. And see, for me, this would be a five-star film, but a four-star movie. Yeah, okay. Uh, I would say that's fair enough, actually. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, absolutely get that. Yeah, brilliant. Night of the Living Dead, done and dusted. Exactly. Should we move on to the next one? Dawn of the Dead, 1978. Ten years later. Ten years later, let's play the trailer. In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Not that room! Not that room! Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. They are multiplying too rapidly. Dawn of the Dead. Meet me on the roof at 9 o'clock. Get out. I don't believe it. We're going to get out in the chopper. We've got to survive. Somebody's got to survive. They kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. Imagine, if you will, that something has gone terribly wrong. Shoot it, man. Now, accept the fact that there's no escaping the horrible consequences. George Romero brings back the dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. We must not be lulled by the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. Operator dead. Post abandoned. We may never get out of the room. It's everywhere. What the hell is it? Looks like a shopping center. One of those big indoor malls. What are they doing? Why do they come here? Some kind of instinct, memory, what they used to do. This was an important place in their lives. We've got a war. I'm afraid. We have spawned our own savagery. Soon, it will consume us all. It is a horrible, hauntingly accurate vision of the mindless excesses of a society gone mad. They must be destroyed on sight. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. We are down to the line, folks. We are down to the line. Dawn of the Dead. Right then, Dawn of the Dead, 1978, directed by George A. Romero, starring David Emge, Ken Faree, Scott H. Reiniger, Galen Ross, Tom Savini, Fred Baker, David Early and Richard France. Yep. Following an ever-growing epidemic of zombies that have risen from the dead, two Philadelphia SWAT team members, a traffic reporter and his television executive girlfriend seek refuge in a secluded shopping mall. (laughs) That they do. Oh, you bet they did. Right. (laughs) I take it you'd seen this before. Yes, 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 I have. Great, great movie. Great movie. Yeah, we're 10 years on. George Romero done a couple of other films, but returned to uh, Dead Series after somebody, one of his friends, showed him around a shopping mall. Ah, okay. okay. And yeah, this boy said he was, a friend of his was showing him around a shopping mall, and he basically had the idea for it. Dawn of the Dead. Eh, when did you first see it? 
mid eighties. Mm. Same here. Mid eighties, yeah. Yeah, as our brothers from another mother over at the Strange and Deadly show recently did their Dawn of the Dead show, this film was on the uh, Section 3 list, Video Nasties. So yes, it, it was yes, not it easily was. available anywhere. Was was it a was it on the prosecuted list or just on the other one? No, just on the other one, you know, the okay. uh, one to keep an eye out of. Right, uh, right. So, yeah, I can't recall ever seeing this in any of the video shops in the town where I was from. Ah, uh, okay. I okay. knew it existed, but I just never saw it. And this was one of those films, I've told you the story dozens of times, about my aunt getting Sky movies early on. Yes. And me cycling down with a stack of videotapes and a list of films. This was one of them. It was on there. So that's where I saw it. My aunt taped it for me off Sky TV. <laughs> right, right. Which I believe was the theatrical cut. And then uh, it got a, the director's cut got a VHS release. Oh, I want to say early 90s. Maybe late 80s, early 90s, and uh, right. actually managed to get a copy. So that was when I saw it. I love this film. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love this film. And I will confess, I've seen it so many times, and I think the last time I watched it was about two years ago. And I, I think from that watching, I was like, I still love this film, but I don't think it's aged well. Maybe I've watched it too many times. It didn't quite have that excitement for me. And then I watched it last night and just went, fuck, yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's great. I, I mean, just the interplay between Ken Free and is it David M.G.? M.G. M.G. Yeah. It is just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's very minimal. You've only got four main characters, really. Yes. You know, and after the introductory stuff where we get to meet them, we're off to the shopping mall. It's basically, I mean, a lot of people have said this is the ultimate zombie movie. And I suppose in a way it is from a story point of view. It is. Yes. Because, you know, in the outbreak of any disaster, really, on a worldwide scale, where would you go? Well, you'd go somewhere where there's supplies, wouldn't you? Yes. So, yeah, it's a really great story from that side of things. And obviously, at the time, shopping malls were a a relatively new thing. Right, right. So it hadn't been done in a film before. And obviously, you've got the George Romero uh, social commentary on there about consumerism. That's right. That's right. You know, because we're all zombies around the shopping mall and we're blindly led around. (laughs) Like I fucking was yesterday at Merry Hill in Dudley. Shop to shop to shop of bugger all that I want to look at. Full of idiots. Anyway. Were you in full curmudgeon mode? Yeah, I don't like going out, especially when there's other people about. (laughs) What is wrong with the world? It is just full of idiots. Yes, yes it is. People just, people stopping in front of you, people blocking up the queues because they've got this, that, and that wrong with them, and they're crying about, oh, it's going fuck off! I went into CEX because I wanted to buy a PlayStation game, which was in like £2 or something. It was a Resident Evil game, funnily enough. And uh, it was just, a, I looked at the queue and it was full of people. Now, I'm no one to judge on people's appearance. I'm really not. But, I looked at that queue and I thought, no wonder people take the mickey out of geeks. <laughs> and it, they were there with bags full of stuff to trade in. And now the staff at CEX aren't the sharpest in the box, are they? They do take their time. And it's like, oh, man, I just want to pay for this game and go. And no, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's full of people. And then they get involved in discussions with the people behind the counter. Oh. Oh, have you seen the latest Game of Thrones? It's really good. Isn't it? Oh, fuck off. Talk about it on Facebook. Just piss off. <laughs> honestly i would just want to throw my money at the counter and go pay for that go and then when i got up to the till it was blocked by some fucking family with their push chair and three toddlers they wouldn't move i had to pass the game over this guy's head to the guy behind the till 
And then he had to Oi. pass me. I was like, oh, just fuck off. Oh, Oh, I hate people. Oh, you know, it's so funny. I used to live in Illinois, and the lottery ticket buyers mm. used to plug up the queue oh, so bad. Yeah. yeah, there should be a separate till for lottery, shouldn't there? It, in Illinois, most stores have it. That yeah, yeah. If, if you're buying lottery tickets, you wait off to the side until the paying customers are done. Yeah, and, and I think that's a phenomenal idea because otherwise you're just, oh, my God. <coughs> you know, yep. You, you know, you need ten bucks worth of petrol, and you're you know you're waiting twenty minutes. What gets me is when they start doing the scratch cards at the till. Oh, don't even get me started. Oh, I've been down the shop on my estate there, and like, I'll just pop in just to get you know, a bottle of lemonade or something. So I'm just sure. quickly in and out. And you get there, and you're stuck behind someone who's like, "Can I have a lottery ticket?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they stand there. Oh, can I have a scratch card? Yeah, which scratch card do you want? They go through it like it's the most important thing in the fucking world. Oh, I want the Las Vegas casino one. Got to be that one. And then they start scratching it off at the till. So, like, excuse me, could you fuck off? <laughs> yeah. And I've even, I, I was there, I don't. Just said to one beyond the till. I said, is this going to take long or what? Some of us have got jobs to go to. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, <laughs> fucking feed your gambling habits somewhere else. Piss off. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? it's, uh, <laughs> it should be a separate till for lottery. Yep, yep. There's yep. a there's a tip for all the shop owners in the UK. That's right. That's right. <laughs> if they're listening, which they won't be. Well, you know, and I, and I think what happened is in Illinois is they realize they don't get any money unless they sell a winning ticket. Ah, right, yeah. So, so why they have no motivation to sell the lottery tickets? Well, they don't get my money if they start selling lottery tickets and holding up the queue because I just fuck off somewhere yeah. else. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so maybe George Romero was right about his consumerism. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've just proved that theory right. I, I, you know, and it's funny because you watch him and they go from sitting up there eating, you know, the civil defense rations to uh, walking around in fur coats with the the, right. the, sty- the stylish, trendy apartment somewhere they built. And, oh, yeah, it's it's just uh, it's crazy. Because you never really get a, a, a sense of the time that this film takes place, do you? No. You don't know whether it's no. weeks or months or, or what? No, you get a little bit, but not, not a lot. Well, you get a little bit in the fact that um, Galen Ross's character, whose name escapes me, is Francine. Uh, she's pregnant. Right, exactly. And she says not long after they get there that she's pregnant. And then over time, you see a little bump appearing. So you get the feeling right. that a month or two has gone past. Yep, yep. But yeah, it's pretty much exactly what it is. It's a zombie film that's set in a shopping mall. Four survivors brick themselves in there. You've got the onslaught of the zombies down below, which they seem to have got a handle on. They can pretty much outrun them when they need to go down and, and get stuff. Uh, but then you get the uh, the bikers that turn up. Yes. yeah, led led by, by Tom Savini. Savini, yes. <laughs> on magnificent form. <laughs> Isn't he, though? Isn't he great? He's just great in everything. <laughs> Sex machine, right? Well, yeah. He's, he's that guy in the in the flare jeans and the leather jacket in every film he's in, really, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine for me. But uh, yeah, so I suppose the difference in uh, in ten years really is the fact that films by 1978 had gotten a bit more graphic, a bit more brutal. Yes, that that's uh, you know he's still got a mainly character driven movie. Mm. But the zombies are, you know, a lot more into eating guts in this one than they were in the first one. Yes. And we got some pretty magnificent Tom Savini effects here. Yes, absolutely. We did. Especially when they pull apart the uh, the bikers near the end and start chowing down on the uh, the strings of sausages that are 
supposed to be their guts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Covered in red caro syrup. Yeah, I mean, that stuff is red, isn't it? Yes. They, yes I think it they is. must have got that from uh, the closing down auction at the Hammer Studios, probably. Because <laughs> it's definitely well, the it's, same. It's, it's, it's the same stuff that was in Curse of Frankenstein back in the 50s, I think. I think you could probably write a, a book on the evolution of fake blood and its color through the movies. Yeah, you probably could. <laughs> Amanda, Amanda, get on that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She'll know somebody who's got probably done that already. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is a film. It's a lot more bloody. It's a lot more brutal. So by the time this came out, we'd had, you know, Last House on the on the left, The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I think yes. Born of the Dead definitely sits up with them as classics of the era. Yes. Uh, my only misgiving about it is some of the zombie effects, the, the facial makeup does look a bit crap. They are basically blue faces. Yeah, yeah, it does, but it carries over from the first one. It does in a way, if you look at it as an evolution. Yes. And if you listen to some of the documentaries about the film, I think Tom Savini said they had so many extras, they didn't have time to do any detailed makeup. So people were literally queuing up, and he was just walking along with, like, blue spray, just spraying them, going, that'll do. You know, you're not going to get a close-up, so that'll do. And I think by the end of the film, when uh, the scene where um, Ken Faree's character gets in the helicopter and you see the zombies reaching up to him, I don't think there's yes. any makeup on any of them people at that point. I, I don't think so either. Maybe a little bit of white, but yeah. nothing, nothing, you know. Watching this on Blu-ray, because we know what Blu-ray can be like. It can show up a lot of the um, the gags, the special effects, and how they're done. Yep. And I think Dawn of the Dead just about gets away with it. Because I think, no, the ripping apart of the bikers does look impressive still. Um, obviously, the colours are brighter and not very realistic. But I think when you get the close-ups on, on the main zombies, they still look pretty good. Now, the character of Stephen, when he gets turned and he comes out that lift, it, it's an iconic shot. And I think on Blu-ray, it, it does look amazing. It, you know what? That same shot, I, I watched the, I think it's called the Collector's Edition, put out by Screen Factory. Right. On DVD, mm-hmm. it looked really good anyways. Yeah. On Blu-ray, it just adds a, a certain depth to it. Where yes. It, it doesn't yes. just look grey. You can actually see detail on it. And I think that's really good. Actually, it's probably worth talking about the different versions that have come out. I watched this on Blu-ray, the Arrow Video Blu-ray, that is unfortunately now deleted. And if you want it, I had a quick look last night. And the cheapest I found one online was 70 quid. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Arrow put out Dawn and Day about five years ago on a limited edition Blu-ray. Okay, okay. I bought them for £10 a piece, and the last week they were available. Arrow put out a tweet and basically said, these are being deleted this week, buy them now if you want them. Wow. And I did. And yeah, so um, it's a three-disc set, it's one Blu-ray and two DVDs. Unfortunately, the film that is on the Blu-ray is the theatrical cut, and on the DVDs is the director's cut and the Argento cut. Huh, interesting. So you don't get Blu-ray copies of the full director's cut, which is a little bit unfortunate, and I don't think there is a UK edition that does that. Huh. So if you're in the UK, it's still the edition to get, if you can afford it, but you only get the theatrical cut on the Blu-ray. Well, hang on, let me get my case. Let me check what I have. Okay. Chris, I stand corrected. I have the Anchor Bay release. Ah, is that the box set with all the versions in? Um, does it come in a black box with red embossed no. writing? No, okay, no, 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 no. okay. Uh, if you worth saying, then if you are in the US, there is what is called the Dawn of the Dead, I think it's called the Ultimate Collector's Edition, okay, okay, which I have a copy of. 
Uh, it's got all three versions, the directors, the theatrical and the Argento cut, which is the shorter version, but it's got more blood in it. And I think there's a disc of extras on there as well. If you can get one at a good price, it is certainly worth it. I think I got mine for about 12 quid, but that was about seven or eight years ago. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So there are lots of versions of it around. Yeah, there are plenty of DVD versions around. Say Blu-rays, you have to be a bit more selective. I know there's the 4K Blu-ray version that's just come out. My understanding is it's not a particularly good print. Ah, okay. Uh, so I don't. I couldn't tell you about that. I haven't got a 4K setup anyway, so I don't know. But um, <laughs> not yet, anyway. So the Arrow Video Blu-ray, and it does look pretty sweet. The version that is on there. And there's lots of good extras as well. It's got the Document of the Dead documentary as well. Interesting. Which is an archive making of featurette, which is very good. So yeah, Dawn of the Dead, not a lot you can say really. That hasn't been said already. It is quite long. I think even the shortest version, which is the Argento cut, is just shy of two hours. But there is a lot in there to keep you invested. It doesn't really drag at any point. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think it does either. No, I think whatever version you watch, it's, uh, it's pretty engrossing. I say the Argento cut focuses on the gore more than the others do. And I think all three versions have got stuff in it that isn't in the other version. So Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to keep my eyes peeled for that. Yeah. The theatrical cut is what is George Romero's preferred version. Hmm. Okay. And the so-called director's cut isn't a director's cut, really. It's just a, a longer version. Gotcha. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, I can't really say anything else about it. The acting's, the, the acting's not... I don't think it's anything in there that's amazing, but I think the, out of the four characters, you know, you're on the side with them. The actors do what they can. Now, that's, yep. that yep. sounds really bad, actually. The actors do well with what they've got. And I think, you know, Ken Faree's obviously cut them out of this in, as a pretty much an iconic actor, really, now. Yes, yes. He's in all the Rob Zombie films. He's in Texas Chainsaw 3 and loads of other stuff. But, um, yeah, I think David Emge gets a few moments as well. I don't, in the beginning, he's not particularly... Uh, engrossing but by the time he gets to uh his ultimate fate i think he's pretty good yes i do too i and think he improves as the movie goes on yeah and maybe maybe that was by design i don't know could be i don't think you're supposed to like the character too much to start with anyway he's a bit of a shit heel isn't he yeah when you yeah, compare him to is. the other two he's he's the sort of because uh, again there's that little subtext going on in there that um you've got peter and roger who are the swat team members and they're the, like the big muscle men of the group and Stephen's very much, he can't use a gun. All he does is fly the helicopter. He doesn't do any of the running around and the shooting. Right. I think he feels, what's the word, emasculated. That's it. <laughs> but don't we all? <laughs> and Galen Ross is very good in it as well. Yes, yeah. And she doesn't do much for most of the film, but by the time you get to the end, she's, uh, what's the word? Is she the hero? She's a heroine, absolutely she Well, she is, is I suppose. She flies the helicopter out of there. Yeah. There wasn't a, did you know about the original ending? No, what was the original ending? The original ending was, you know, Ken Faree's character puts the gun up to his head. Yes. Uh, the original ending was he shoots himself. Oh, really? Yeah. And then she is waiting in the helicopter outside. She sees that he's dead. So she jumps up and puts her head in the blades of the helicopter. Wow. That's a, woo. Yeah, that's a pretty dark ending, isn't it? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> but that's not what we got. We got a slightly uh, happier ending than that. Peter and Francine do get away, but get that's away, right. get away to what we don't know because they haven't got much fuel in the helicopter. Yep. So their fate is unknown. But yeah, Dawn of the Dead, fantastic film, always worth sitting through. Give it a rating. Give it a rating. It's a five. Yep, me too. Yep, I can't fault this at all. 
Like I said, well, say I can't fault it at all. Say some of the zombie makeup is a bit meh, but then... Well, we're also comparing it to movies 30 years later. Yeah, it, it's great when it needs to be. Yep. Like I said, the yep. close-ups on Stephen, the bits when the bikers get pulled apart, that's all done well. So, yeah. So, right, should we move on? Yes. Yeah, so I thought you'd gone again then. Right. <laughs> Let's move on then. Let's play the trailer for Day of the Dead. First, he created the most frightening film ever made. Then, he took his unique vision of terror one step further. Now, George A. Romero takes us out of the night, beyond the dawn, and into the darkest day of horror the world has ever known. Day of the Dead. There have to be survivors in Washington. Oh, my. They have more sophisticated shelters than this one. There have to be people in those shelters who know about us, who know where we are. With no radio contact, they'll come looking for us. I said shut up! They can be tricked into being good little girls and boys. Same way we were tricked into it. Promise of some reward to come. What the fuck is wrong with you people? They're dead! They're fucking dead, and you want to teach them tricks? They have to be rewarded, Captain. Why else will they do what we want them to do? I don't want them to do anything but drop Day of the Dead, 1985. 1985. 85. Bloody hell, 32 years old. Directed by George A. Romero and starring Laurie Cardiel, Terry Alexander, Joe Palato, Richard Liberty, Sherman Howard. Sherman Howard? Howard Sherman. Surely it's written the wrong way around there. Let me start again. Howard Sherman, John Amplas and Ralph Marrero. <laughs> A small group of military officers and scientists well in an underground bunker as the world above is overrun by zombies. Right. This was the first of the trilogy that I saw. Was it really? Yes. Uh, I got my mum to rent this for me when I was when it came out on video, so I'd have been about nine or ten, something like that. Okay. Uh, I remember seeing the trailer for it on the telly, and this was an era when I was, I was getting into horror films, and it always fascinated me when you have a filmmaker who puts his name in the title of the film. Like George Romero's Day of the Dead, John Carpenter's Halloween. Okay. I always thought it fascinating because it's like, I should know who these people are if they're putting their name into the title. <laughs> they sound important. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that intrigued me. And I knew who George Romero was anyway because I'd seen Creepshow by that point. Right. So I knew right. who George Romero was. But yeah, I remember seeing the adverts for this on telly. You wouldn't see an advert for this film on telly now, especially not before nine o'clock. But I guess I must have done if I was only about nine or ten. Okay, gotcha. And it was the trailer with, at the time, it was the scene where she's looking at the calendar on the wall, and then the arms come out the wall and grab her. Yes. That was the trailer, and it was just like, bang, Day of the Dead. You're like, whoa, got to see that. <laughs> yeah. 
So I got my mum to rent it and I watched it and I'm going to say I thought it was boring as hell. <laughs> you know you know what I noticed while watching it yesterday? Yeah. Is 1978 Dawn of the Dead straightforward serious movie. Mm-hmm. 19, 1985 we've we've left some of the more serious tone and we've gone into I don't want to say the the goofy tone but certainly a high cheese factor. You mean like Return of the Living Dead that sort of stuff? Yes. Yeah. And when I was watching this yesterday, I was thinking, this just, it feels like a 1985 goofy slasher movie. Really? Yeah. This feels goofy? Yes. Oh. Okay. Absolutely feels totally goofy to me. You got the, the, the oddball surgeon guy who's doing God knows what. You, you've got the crazy military guy who's just, you know, and, and you got his, you know, his redneck uh, team, and it, it's just, it's, it just feels so 80s to me in that goofy sense. See, that's interesting because I would absolutely disagree with you. Really? Yeah. I think out of the zombie films we were getting at the time, like Return of the Living Dead, Evil Dead 2, Reanimator, I think this doesn't fit at all. I think this feels like a movie out of its time. Really? To me, this falls right in with uh, the Reanimator. Uh, evil dead evil dead 2 kind of just that you know okay it's there it's a decent movie but it's just it's got that over the top but there's no comedy in it it reminds me of house really yeah <laughs> you didn't you watch the remake by mistake did you no no <laughs> no i don't get that at all i think this movie's grim and dour and there's no humor in it whatsoever did we watch the same movie we must have done <laughs> <laughs> No, I would, oh, God. I, I would put this, if this had come out a year after Dawn of the Dead, that's where I would put it. I don't think this feels oh. very 80s at all. Oh, God, yes. To me, it does. Okay, now. It just, it feels so just over the top cheesy. Nah, see, I don't get that at all. Oh, God. See, I think maybe you misunderstand my earlier statement when I said this film was boring as hell. <laughs> I thought that when I was nine. <laughs> I don't think that now. <laughs> I fucking love this film now. Oh. And I'll tell you now, this is my favourite of the three. Bloody hell, what? Yeah. To be honest, this, it can change. One day it could be Dawn, the next day it could be this. Oh, wow. This is the one where they're in the bunker, right? Yeah, yeah. You got the, the guy from Jamaica who lives out back and That's he's it. got his own... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. I love this film now. I think I get what you see about the over the top. I think you can get that from Joe Pilato's performance as Captain Rhodes. Yes, that's a lot of where it comes from. Yeah, he does. He does play it over the top. Um, did you know he's in Dawn of the Dead as well? Yes. In the director's cut version. Yes. Yeah. So I like to think that he's playing the same character. <laughs> it's never explicitly said in Dawn of the Dead what his character is, but he's just a soldier. And you think now he's the captain. So you think, ah. But you know, you, you got the guy that's trying to fix the radio drinking from a flask. You got the Jamaican pilot out there, you know, making his own beach. Yeah, you, you got mis- you got the you got the surgeon doing God knows what covered in blood. I mean, it's just so. Essentially, really? you've got what what Romero did in Night of the Living Dead, where you've got two sets of people at war with each other in the same building. Yes, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. You've essentially got that again, but you've got scientists versus soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. And the scientists are trying to find a way to tame the dead, and the soldiers just want to kill them all. But I mean, that the John Goodman lookalike soldier. 
Steel, I think is his Steel. name. I mean, yeah. <laughs> come on. Oh, yeah, yeah. If there is such I... a thing as comic relief, it is him. And his buddies. <laughs> He's got the guy with the beard who's his mate, yeah? Yeah, yeah I mean, God. that is there, but I don't think it's as overtly over the top as you make out. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I think most of the scenery is chewed up by Joe Pilato as the captain. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. He is, uh, he is, uh, and maybe that's where my goofiness stems from. Oh, and, and the zombie who shoots somebody with a gun. Yes, okay. but right. as we've established already, zombies could use weapons. Well, it was in Night of the Living Dead. He picked up a brick and smashed the window. A, a, agreed, but a gun that he aims. Well, they're making the point that the zombies are now at a stage where they they're getting vague memories of what they were when they were humans. Fair play. And that was the scene where you got Rhodes stood in front of the zombie and the zombie salutes him. So he says, oh, or maybe this guy, this zombie was a, a soldier when he was a man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they're just playing on that. And I, I agree. I'll say when we get to the next film in the series on the next show, there's some, I think then is when Romero goes a little over the top with it. Okay. But I think as it is with Day of the Dead, uh, yeah, I get, you know, you've got Bub the zombie. They give him a name and they're trying to humanise him. So I get that. I mean, in any other franchise, we probably would have had a kid introduced into the next film, you know. All, all I kept thinking is, God, I hope they don't call him Fido because that was already a movie. Oh, the one with Billy Connolly in. Yeah. 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 All right. I get where the film could have gone. And I think it could have gone that cheesy route of having, you know, Bob the zombie with his gun, blah, 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 blah. I think they stepped just short of that line. They did some things to prevent pole vaulting over and stupidity in that department. I would agree. Yeah, I think Romero drew it back. But I think the overall tone, it's a very talky film. There's not a lot of, until the final sort of 15, 20 minutes, there's not a lot of zombie action. No, 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 you're right. There, There is a lot of uh, uh, talky stuff, for sure. Yeah, and I think had Romero been allowed to make the full version that he wanted to make, because he was restricted by budget on this one, then I think maybe that talking would have played off a little more and it wouldn't have been quite so... What's the word? Quite so drawn out. Gotcha. And, yeah, so that's... The nine-year-old me didn't like that at all. I just wanted to see zombies. (laughs) Yeah, Romero did originally make, I think it was something like originally a three-hour film or something, or a three-hour script. And oh was, my god! There was going to be it was going to be a massive zombie apocalypse because he was promised X amount of money to do it. So he wrote all the script and, all that, and then he basically his budget basically got halved. So that's oh we, wow! That's why we ended up with the film that we did. So it is a compromised film, and I think some of those ideas came out in Land of the Dead later on. But yeah, it's a compromised film, and I don't. I think that's maybe what sort of where Dawn is a little bit better. Dawn feels more natural. It feels like a feels like a fuller vision. Yes, yes. Whereas it's Day... Much, it's a much tighter film. Yeah, and Day does feel like it's compromised in certain places. There are certain bits you could tighten it up. There are certain bits that you could add things in. You could play around with it a bit more. But I think what we've got, ultimately, is a pretty shit-hot zombie film because once Tom Savini's special effects kick in, they kick in. Oh, without a doubt. I still think this is these are the best-looking zombies that have been in any film ever. I would say this is the peak of practical zombie effects, even more so than something like Peter Jackson's Brain Dead or Dead Alive, as it is in the US, which is a great film in itself. But that was done yeah, for comedy. No, this was this was going for a certain realism, and, and I they did very very well. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, some of the pull apart scenes are 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 still to this day, I think, some of the best stuff I've seen. Oh, yeah. And you can tell how they do it. It's not difficult to figure out how they do it all, but it just looks fantastic. And you've got Tom Savini heading it up, but you've also got people like Greg Nicotero involved, right. who plays one of the soldiers in the film. But this was like his first major effects gig. And he now does the effects on The Walking Dead. Right, right. So absolutely, you, you can see the through line from there on Blu-ray. This looks absolutely fantastic. Again, it's got, got that Arrow special edition. It really, really does look amazing on Blu-ray. Now, now this is the one that I do have the collector's edition from Scream Factory DVD, and it looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it is a great film. I think whether you watch it on DVD or Blu-ray, it's always going to look good. Yep, yep, that it will. Yeah, if you're watching it for the first time, you may. Get about an hour into it and say, well, there's not a lot of zombie action going on yet. It's all a lot of shouting, a lot of talking. <laughs> Hang with it for that last 20 minutes because I think it, it hits, it gets so relentless and it all culminates with the death of, oh, spoiler, the death of Rhodes. Yes. In one of the most iconic zombie deaths ever. Yes. But it's just amazing to look at, to watch it all unfold. So I can see what Romero's doing. He's building up the characters like he did in Night. You know, he wants you to spend time with them characters, get to know them characters so that when their downfall happens, then you feel all the worse for it or all the better for it. But I don't think it quite works in the same way as it did in Night, but I still think it works to a certain level. And it's got the happiest ending out of the three as well. Well, yeah, they're on a what looks like a northeastern beach fishing. Yeah. <laughs> and I bet she's worried because there's the woman and the two men left. I bet they're going to start worried about, well, how are we going to repopulate the world now? <laughs> She didn't look very happy. She? <laughs> no. The two guys aren't. They look very right. happy. They look yeah. very happy. She looked a yeah. bit pensive. There yes. you go. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what Romero's doing for his next film. Oh, God help us all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. And apparently he's doing another zombie film. Yes, I heard that. He's not directing, though. He's producing. That may help. And it's to do with zombies in race cars. What? Zombies in race cars. Okay. <laughs> I'll just leave that little statement there. Yeah, just we'll leave that there. I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. So, give us a oh. score on Day of the Dead then. 3.5. 3.5? Yep. Okay. Do you know what I'm going to give this? A 5. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd have asked me when I first saw it, I'd have gone, oh no, it's, it's a 3. But now, I just love this film. I can sit and watch it. I can enjoy Joe Pilato going off the deep end for an hour. <laughs> and and then, you know, when those zombie effects, you know, they're just the best as yeah, far as I'm concerned. I, I, it is definitely, out of all the three of them, the best effects, period. Yeah. Bar none. I mean, even the, even the effect of the, the brain. Oh, with all the needles and stuff to, in it. To the, to the spinal column. Yeah. The whole body. Yeah. Well done. I always like the scene, and I, I remember this from when I was a kid watching it, when you've got the zombie who's got his stomach cut open, he's laying on the gurney, and he just yes. rolls over and all his guts fall out. Oh, man, that's so well done. It's, yeah, yeah, it's very good. Very, yeah. very good. Fantastic. So, yeah, that's the three original Romero Dead trilogy. I don't think we'll rank them yet. I think we'll rank them at the end of the next show when we do the next three. Okay, okay. If that's all right with you. That's fine with me, and it'll be it'll be interesting. It will be because I have not I have not seen Land of the Dead. Have you not? And I've not seen what What's the third one? Survival of the Dead. Survival of the Dead. Yeah. I've not seen that one. I've ah. seen 
Diary of the Dead because it's a because it's found fucking footage. Of course you've yes. seen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course you've seen that one. <laughs> fucking hell. So we will. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Well, you know, you haven't heard my thoughts on it yet. Yeah, I know. Well, I know your thoughts. Yeah, well, you... I could be surprised. I could be surprised. Oh well, you could be. You never know. That's right. And I even have a little. I even have a well, a pseudo funny anecdote. Uh, for the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Oh, well, we'll, we'll get there in two shows' time. That's right. That's Okie right. dokie. So, uh, yeah, that's the, the first three done and dusted. On the next show, we will get to Land of the Dead, Die of the Dead, and Survival of the Dead. Yes. Until then, we've got some feedback. We do. But I have to ask you before we do the feedback. Yes. Did you ever see a movie called Goal of the Dead? No. But I remember sending it to you because you reviewed it for somebody. I reviewed it. On your previous life, yes. I never watched it myself. It's not that bad. Is it not that bad? It's not that bad. I th- I think it's on one of the streaming services. It is here, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's on, on, uh, it's on Shutter. Shutter. Yeah, yeah, I think it is here, so I will get to it. <laughs> if you want to laugh, give it a give it a whirl. Yeah, because <laughs> I like zombie films, but I don't like football, so there you go. You know what? It, it's a backdrop. Yeah. More than anything. I like football films, though, funnily enough. That's weird, isn't it? Things like Mean Machine and that I quite like. <laughs> huh. Well, I just hate football. But there you go. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right, then. Okay. Who wants to go first, me or you? I'll give it a shot. This is from our good friend, Blue. Hi, Blue. Hi, guys. Blue here with some feedback. Well, I don't have any, have any as I've been tied up screwing and such. No, <laughs> no, not that kind. Nerve. I've been building a... <laughs> A work, a workshop in a shed, and building furniture, and have not had time to rewatch the films and jot down notes. Mm-hmm. Huh? Building a workshop—that's what they call it these days. Alrighty then. That's a euphemism. <laughs> and if I had to work from memory, I'll start talking about Night of the Living Dead, and end up talking about some other zombie film entirely. Fair play. So I have a question for both of you that I've been meaning to ask for a while now. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. What film, if any, would you have loved to have been made into a franchise? And which franchise would you have wished had been a standalone film as the sequels and or prequels spoiled that franchise for you? Ah, okay. The second part of the question doesn't have to be horror in case it spoils future shows. Okay. Right. So... Right. Uh, so hang on. Oh, sorry. Right. I've got to dash. I've got more screwing to do out in the shed. We understand. Uh, but before I go, I just want to say that I love the last show. It was great having Mr. Gore Blimey for the ride. Hi, Gore. I really enjoyed my foursome. And although I was exhausted and breathless after it, I hope there will be many more in the future. Keep up the good work. <laughs> she turned him. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Maybe she was holding up a picture of Ryan Reynolds at the time. I, I, dirty, dirty, dirty woman you are. <laughs> so, right. what film? What film would you have loved to have been made into a franchise? Um, I don't know about love. Uh, let's go. For it doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be horror related. Well, the first one that springs to mind that I thought could have had a franchise and never did was My Bloody Valentine. Yes. Okay. That's one that springs to mind because. Uh, yeah, I don't see why that didn't, unless a slasher film did. That's the immediate one that springs to mind. I can't really think of any others off now. I'd need a good chance to think about that. Um, yeah, I'll say my bloody Valentine. Well, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take a, a ride back to the '80s 
And the one film I wish had gotten a sequel that they never did was Remo Williams, <laughs> The Adventure Begins. Yes, Fred Ward. Yeah. Uh, is it? Is that the one? No, I don't think it's Fred Ward. Oh, I'm sure it is. Well, hang on. Or am I thinking it- Remo, Unarmed and Dangerous? Wait a yeah. minute. Yes, it's the same it, film. Yeah. Never mind. Cut that part out. Yeah, yeah. It's Fred Ward. Thank you very much. No yeah, relation. They, they did make a... Oh, no, it was a TV movie. Yeah, that was originally going to be uh, the beginning of a series, I believe. Yeah, it is. It's Fred Ward. You're right. I know I'm right. I was wrong. <laughs> of course. Uh, but it, it was it was a it was a book, which mm. I loved. But it never got a it never got a sequel. No, I guess that they made a TV series out of it, but or tried to. But yeah, I I love that movie. Uh, I believe Arrow put it out on Blu-ray over here a couple of years ago. Did they really? Yes. Very cool. Yeah, there was a TV movie made in 1988. Yeah, because the this the original Fred Ward films from '85. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah never got cool. a it never got a proper sequel in movie form. Yeah, I do believe it was going to be a, a, a. They were planning a series of films or something on it, but it just never happened. Yeah, yeah. Ah. But yeah, that's one that I've always always killed for. Okay. Because yeah. I I don't know why I I just really enjoyed that movie. <laughs> I saw it in the eighties. I don't remember that much about it. I have got a copy of the disc around here somewhere. I've got the review disc somewhere, so I will give it another watch. It was a favorite of mine in the 80s, kind of like the final option was, or what is it, He Who Dares Wins? Who Dares Wins. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a staple for me in the 80s when it was on the movie channel. Yeah. Ooh, final option. Record. Videotape. <laughs> yeah, the arrow put that out as well. well that one I know. Good. Yeah. Yeah, but not here. Yeah. Betamax. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Betamax. Absolutely. I know. There you go. Okay. And what was the other part of the question? The other part of the question is, which film should have been a standalone as the sequels ah. spoiled the franchise? Okay. I've got two that immediately spring to mind. Go ahead. First one being, you won't like this, Halloween. No, but I can see why. Yeah, I think that should have just been one film. I, I, I can see why. And the other being Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, you know, it's funny you say that because that was one that was kicking around in my head. Yeah. That- it's funny I say that because I fucking love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yes, films, I know. as we discussed. But if they didn't exist and it was just that original, I think that would be perfect. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This one may surprise you. Go ahead. Children of the Corn. Yes, I can understand that. Yeah. Children of the Corn. I mean, the the first standalone movie, awesome. Yes. And I haven't seen, nor do I have not seen all of the the sequels i have but i've seen parts <laughs> of many and well you know i mean number two is not very good but it has got a very sweaty terence knox in it and as i love tour of duty i'll watch anything with terence knox in it okay uh but it's not a very good film three is really it's so stupid and dumb but it's fun i'm just trying to think of something you could compare it to uh <sighs> you know how hellraiser three feels compared to the first two films Yes. It's a bit like that. They've oh, gone, okay. oh, okay, we'll forget with the mythology we set up. We'll just go in dumb slasher mode. It's a bit like that, but it is so much fun. But I wouldn't bother with any after that. <laughs> They're all shite. I've actually got the uh, trilogy Blu-ray box set that 88 Films put out. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, so I've got the first three on Blu-ray. Two and three are not essential. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure the first film's essential. But, yeah, I know what you mean. If, it, if they just stuck to that first film. I... I... 
you know, again, okay, Children of the Corn, it's a Stephen King short story, okay? But I really liked how they captured in that film. I loved how they captured the story, did just, I, I thought they did a fantastic treatment of it. Uh, I think it's that creepy children thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I think, think the so music too. helps as well. It's a bit like The Omen. It's just got that combination of creepy children and the music that works. Right, 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 right. Uh, the guy who plays Isaac in that film, he's in part six. Isaac's Return, it's called, actually, yeah. Tour of the Corn 6, oh, God. six Isaac's Return, and it's t- fucking terrible. He's gotta be like a hundred years old. Uh, I, I can't remember. What's his name? Franklin? Is it John Franklin? I think he's in, in his fifties, in it, or something. Oh, God. But he still looks the same. Ah, uh, one of those people, I gotcha, okay. <laughs> one of those people. No, I mean, he has actually got a genetic deformity that makes him look young oh really well i mean hang on hang on hang on there oh, mr shall i edit that bit out no leave it <laughs> what what i what i meant to say he's one of those people who looks young yeah he's he's got some genetic abnormality that makes him look young anyway uh, my brother is i don't know 48 yeah. and he looks like he's you know 21 yeah so yeah I mean, some people just have that that face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I meant by those people. Okay, Chris. <laughs> oh, Trump's America, right? Oh, ow, that was a low blow. That was that was <laughs> one right to the man grapes. Ouch. Oh well. Yeah. So brilliant. Thanks, Blue. Those are our answers. So uh, yeah, be interesting to know what ones you think, really. Absolutely. You can let us know. Write in. Tell us on Twitter. Please do. Yes. Brilliant. Uh, I've got some feedback. You do? I've got some feedback from our mate Foster Twelve Trees. Oh, Foster. Yes. So, let me begin. Dear Master Ward and Master Schmidt. See, respectful. I hope you are happy. <laughs> I hope you are happy and in the best of health. Uh, no, neither of those. My relationship with the zombie genre has been one of ambivalence. As a nine-year-old, I remember being genuinely terrified while watching the music video for Michael Jackson's Thriller. More recently, I tried watching The Walking Dead to see what the fuss was about, but found it terribly depressing and gave up. Yeah, me too. The Romero zombie films are a series I have always been aware of, yet never had the chance to visit until now. And what a treat it was. Sadly, I did not have enough time to view all three in time for the podcast, so I'll just give my brief impression of the original. In Night of the Living Dead, we join a group of disparate individuals trapped in a remote house struggling to survive the relentless onslaught of cannibalistic zombies. Initially, we find Barbara fleeing a zombie pursuer to a seemingly empty house where she meets Ben, a courageous African-American. After successfully fighting off an initial wave of zombies, they discover a family hiding in the cellar, equipped with a radio and television which are narrating the unfolding apocalypse. The external threat is not the only element of danger as tensions within the group escalate into a torrent of bickering, particularly between Ben and the duplicitous Harry. In the film, Dwayne Jones gives a superb performance as Ben. He is a pillar of strength and resilience. However, his uncanny resemblance to Ryan Reynolds did prove to be a distraction whilst watching the film. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the cast seem to have gone... Most of the cast seems to have gone to the William Shatner School of Hamminess. Indeed, we are treated to glorious overacting, sudden dramatic pauses and wildly gesticulating limbs. Certainly, Judith O'Day is delightfully awful as Barbara. In essence, Night of the Living Dead is a gripping siege movie full of dramatic twists and turns. A kind of Zulu with zombies. 
The gore is extreme and much more effective in the original black and white version. Romero masterfully weaves elements of horror, psychological tension and humour into his story. Despite operating on a shoestring budget, Romero uses his filmmaking genius to create a murky, nightmarish and claustrophobic atmosphere that grips you right until the uncompromising finale. If it were not for the Ancient Slumber podcast, I am unsure that I would have the urgency to visit these tremendous movies. Thank you. Yours sincerely, Foster Twelve Trees, a.k.a. Gore Blimey's Bitch. <laughs> Thanks, Foster. Um, I don't think I've ever heard Dwayne Jones compared to Ryan Reynolds. Um, yeah. <laughs> you silly sod. Right. Oh, God. That was a lot more posh than I did. Yes, very true. Um, I just want to go back to something he said, actually. Now, he calls them cannibalistic zombies. Yes. And in Dawn of the Dead, they establish that the zombies aren't cannibalistic because they're not human. And they don't eat each other. They only eat humans. Ah, that's true. They're not technically cannibals. So, bah, back with you. Back to your bed. <coughs> nah, thanks, Foster. Always great to hear from you. Absolutely. And I think he's using our podcast as a sort of dating site for him and Gore. I don't know. <laughs> Just, just get a room. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, for whatever for whatever reason, he reminds me of one of my er, that feedback reminded me of one of my favorite uh, scenes in Dawn of the Dead are the uh, the rednecks out shooting the zombies. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah when, good when stuff. The fun music kicks in and they're just shooting them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh brilliant. Yeah, that's all the feedback I've got. You got any more? Nope, that's it. That's it. Fantastic. Thanks very much, guys. Um, if you want to send in feedback to us, you can at ancientslumberpodcast at gmail.com. And we are also on Twitter at ancient underscore slumber. Exactly. Exactly. I've said next time we're doing the next three Romero films in the series, which should be fun. Especially you haven't seen them before. So, uh, yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Can't wait to find out what you think. So, until next time, let's say goodbye. Bye. Bye. They're still here. They're after us. They know we're still in here. They're after the place. They don't know why. They just remember. Remember that they want to be in here. What the hell are they? They're us, that's all. There's no more room in hell. What? Something my granddaddy used to tell us. You know Makumbo? Voodoo. Granddad was a priest in Trinidad. He used to tell us, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth.